Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, and how to donate when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and part two of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, called The Way of Escape. in the Ten Commandments movie. How many of you have seen the Ten Commandments with Yul Brynner? Oh, praise the Lord. Way to go, people. It's a classic. When, when the chariots of Egypt see the people of Israel against the Red Sea, Yul Brenner famously says in the movie, well, their God's a very poor general. He's left them no way out. They're against the sea, and the Egyptian army is coming. But we know what God did. And God did it for purposes of doing a miracle so that his people could pass through the sea, but he also did it to destroy the Egyptian army. Can you imagine being one of those charioteers and you see the God of Israel open the sea with water walls on each side? And by the way, the additional miracle was that they passed on dry ground. It wasn't mushy because the chariot wheels wouldn't have made it. The children of Israel would have been sloshing along. Think of all the animals and all that they were carrying. But part of the miracle was they passed on dry ground. And the water walls were there. And Moses was leading the people. And how were they baptized into Moses? Simply by this. They identified with Moses as their leader. Moses took the rod or the staff of God. And God parted the Red Sea. And God said through Moses, you see that Egyptian army? You're never going to see them again. You know, Ron Wyatt, who since has gone to be with the Lord, uh, did some research in this area, and they have taken photographs of chariot wheels that have, been, that have coral that have grown on them, and they can't move them, but they've taken under, underground, underwater photography of chariot wheels where they believe the crossing happened. The Bible is true. And... The people were passing through and they were baptized into Moses, not in the sense of water baptism. You know, some people say, well, maybe the water of the, the, the uh, sea was sprinkling them and they were baptized. No, it's more separation from Egypt. Please hear me. Separation from Egypt, a type of the world, and identification with Moses, who's God's leader. In fact, they say that Moses, and you can bear this out in the New Testament, is a type of Christ. A redeemer, a deliverer, taking the people out of Egypt, a type of the world, out from under the bondage of Pharaoh, a type of Satan, and into the promises of God. And when the people walked through the, the sea and it had been opened up by God, they were baptized in this sense. They separated from the world and identified with God. They became God's covenant people, if you will. They entered into covenant. The cloud was not over them in this sense, sprinkling rain down. The cloud was leading them or behind them. It was protecting them from the Egyptian army. And it was, it was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And the children of Israel experienced the presence of God and the power of God and the provision of God, just like first century Corinthian Christians have and just like 21st century Coronian Christians have. We've been called out of the world, called to Christ, tasted of the Holy Spirit, 
seen miracles in our lives, been born again to a living hope, been baptized hopefully in water at the beginning of our journey, just like Israel was baptized in the sea and by under the cloud as they began their journey to follow God into the promises. This is what happened. God was with them. God was calling them out. God was showing them miracles. They all ate the same spiritual food. Spiritual is more the source, not the, the food itself. And they all, notice the emphasis on all, they all drank, verse 4, the same spiritual drink. Paul is speaking of the source of the food and the drink. What was the food that God supplied for them in the wilderness wanderings? It was manna. Manna literally in Hebrew means, what is it? I have a word of advice. If your mother-in-law or your wife or a family friend ever serves you something, do not say, what is it? (laughs) Because you may be wearing it. Can I get a witness? Anybody? Okay. You know, (laughs) this this is another pearl of wisdom. Ready? Get ready to put it in your pocket. If, if someone offers to cook for you, don't say this. Well, what are you making? All right? That's just free advice, okay? Just re- at some point, you're going to realize, Pastor Michael was right. I said that, and now I have a black eye. It's, there's a one-to-one correspondence right here. Okay, anyway. Now, the word all is emphasized so that no one will think, well, maybe the people that failed in the wilderness just simply didn't experience the provisions. Maybe they weren't baptized in quotes. Maybe they didn't eat the spiritual food or drink the spiritual drink. No, they did. They all did. If it was a million people or more, here's what we know. They all experienced the grace, the provision, the presence, and the power of God. They got no excuse. Just like we have no excuse. You see, sometimes we want to blame God for the reasons that we fell. Well, it was this or that. As Adam put it, it's the woman that you gave me. The serpent. Or the the woman says, the serpent is the one that beguiled me. The food and drink came through spiritual means. Men, women did eat the bread of angels, but the source was God. And you remember when you read about the manna, they had to go and gather it every day, and it was like dew on the ground and so forth. God was providing. Psalm 78, 24 and 25 says, God rained down manna upon them to eat. He gave them food from heaven. Man did eat the bread of angels, and God sent them food in abundance. Psalm 78, 24 and 25. For they, verse 4, were drinking from a spiritual, that's the word pneumatikas, Rock, that's Petra, which followed them. And the rock was who? The rock was Christ. Now, in the rabbinic literature, the writings of the rabbis, they had a legend that the rock from which the water gushed out literally followed them around in the wilderness wanderings. Think about it. If you're in the wilderness and there's really no provisions outside of the manna, Would God have to give you water more than one time over 40 years? I'd say so. In fact, I think that the two water miracles, one in Exodus 17 and one in the book of Numbers, are 
representative stories of the beginning when God supplied water and the end. I, I'll mention Ron Wyatt uh, for another moment. Some of you have looked at his, some of his archaeological discoveries. There's a huge boulder out in this area that looks like water came gushing out of it and it's actually split. They think, you know, maybe that's the rock. I, I have no idea, but it's intriguing nonetheless. But the legend said the rock that supplied the water. Now, look, you would need a drinking fountain wherever you went, right? You're in the desert. So the implication, this is my view, is that God continually provided water for them, just like he continually provided manna for them. He was always supplying, always sustaining. But there were times when, for whatever reason, in his providence, he would withhold for a little bit, kind of like our lives. Sometimes things get a little lean and hard and and how do you handle those times? God's been so good to you for so long, but you come upon a lean time for a little bit, and what do we do? Well, I'd like to say that we're great pillars of faith, right? Oh, yeah, Lord, I just trust you. I don't have a job right now, but it's going to be okay because you provided all these years. No, most of us are more like this. <laughs> That's a baby. Anyway, we've done that with a few friends over the years just to laugh at each other. We can be very whiny. You see, the rock that was with them was Christ. Remember, Christ is the eternal God. Christ was in the wilderness wanderings with his people, supplying what they needed. Yet we know how many times they complained and failed. The first time that God supplied the waters in Exodus 17, the people were whining and grumbling. They complained against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children? And so Moses was instructed to what? He struck the rock. And God said, I will position myself upon the rock or near the rock and you're to strike it. And that became a picture of when Christ was crucified on the cross, the living waters of salvation flowed out and the water came out from the rock. Talk about a miracle. Can you imagine? Just think about the dynamics. You have a stick and you hit a rock, a boulder. Okay. <laughs> and water begins to flow to satisfy the thirst of a million people. That's a flow of water. You say, can God bring water out of a rock? Yes. He brought water out of nothing. <laughs> I think he can do it. And so the people drank. You ever been there before? Oh, God, celebrate. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The water, the water, the water, the water. A couple days later, where's the water? Why do we have to, you brought us out here to kill us, didn't you? There's no hope. Right? Oh, can we relate to the Israelites? Oh, do we sometimes see it in our children? And then the person that we stare at, stare at in the mirror every morning. <laughs> well, at the end of the wilderness wanderings in Numbers chapter 20, God did it again. The people were whining and Moses, <laughs> Moses had, can you imagine? Moses needed a counselor, man. <laughs> All these whiners, you mothers can understand what this is like, Right? Moses was on the edge, but he was the most humble man on the planet. So he went to the Lord, and the Lord said, This time I just want you to speak to the rock. 
See, Jesus was only struck one time and the living waters flowed. But Moses got upset and he said, okay, you rebels, you want water? You ever been there in the car with your children? You rebels, <laughs> right? You want Jack in the Box, all right. But this is the last meal you're ever gonna have. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Do you feel equipped to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you find it difficult to defend your Christian faith? The Ministry of Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to give you a copy of his book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. You know, the Christian life is a battle. It's not easy to stay on the straight and narrow, to walk the way we're supposed to in the midst of all kinds of temptations of our flesh, the world, the enemy. And so God has given us a provision. Here's the amazing thing. God has given us armor. And it is because he loves us and wants to protect us. Armor is for protection. We will send you a copy of Suit Up as a thank you when you send a financial gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate your help to broadcast and grow the ministry to more radio stations. Please give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com. Click the Donate button or call 844-48-TRUTH. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Moses was on the edge, but he was the most humble man on the planet. So he went to the Lord, and the Lord said, this time I just want you to speak to the rock. See, Jesus was only struck one time, and the living waters flowed. But Moses got upset, and he said, Okay, you rebels, you want water? You ever been there in the car with your children? You rebels! (laughs) Right? You want jack-in-the-box? All right! But this is the last meal you're ever going to (laughs) have. I'll get you one of those tacos. Right? So, So Moses said, You rebels! And he hit the rock a couple of times. And water flowed to the people. And God said, Moses, come into my office. What did I do? What did I do? You think being called into the principal's office is a little scary? Right? So, you did not treat me as holy before the people. I told you to speak to the rock. What do you think Moses had to speak to the rock? It doesn't say in the Bible. Did he have to say something like this? Water, come forth. Or, Mr. Rock, would you be so kind? I don't know what he had to say. But you know, the Bible paints this picture that after Jesus was struck once, Exodus 17, now the way we get saved is what? We speak to the rock. And what do we say? Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you call upon him, he will hear you. And God in the Old Testament is depicted as the rock of our salvation. And Jesus is the rock. He is God. And so the water flowed. The woman at the well meets Jesus. Jesus meets her more specifically. And Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself? And his sons and his cattle. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. 
But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. The water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Did the woman at the well meet the Savior that day? Yes. In fact, the Messiah said to the woman at the well, and this may be the first time he ever said this to someone, I, whom you're talking to, am he. I am the Messiah. And she said, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Oh, yes. You know what he gives? Living water. And the children of Israel are a prefigurement, a foreshadowing of the reality that Christ would give this living water. But they tested God. The writer of the, uh, Psalm 95 Uh, echoed by the writer of Hebrews in chapter 3, says, Do not harden your hearts, as at Meribah, speaks of rebellion. This is Psalm 95, 8. As in the day of Massa, speaks of testing in the wilderness. This is the recorded events when the children of Israel complained and hardened their hearts. And the, the readers of Hebrews are told, don't harden your hearts like they did. Because the, the consequences were disastrous. In verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 10, it says, Nevertheless, this is a strong adversative. With most of them, that is the children of Israel, God was not well pleased. For they, Israel, was laid, were laid low in the wilderness. It's a bit of an understatement with most of them. God was not well pleased. Because you all know of those 20 years old and older, how many of them made it into the promised land? You can count it on one hand. Do you know that not even Moses made it in? God said, because you didn't treat me holy in that water miracle, you're not going into the promised land either. Some people say, wow, that's harsh. That's tough. But Moses ruined a prophetic picture that God was trying to paint. The rock was struck once. Now all you have to do is speak to the rock. And God said to Moses, you didn't treat me as holy. You misrepresented me in front of the people, and you're not going into the promised land. And it was Joshua, whose Hebrew uh, name in Greek is Jesus, or you could say Yeshua would lead them into the promised land. And their bodies, literally you could render the end of verse 5, were strewn all over the wilderness. This, This doesn't mean they simply died in the wilderness. This is not speaking just simply of a natural death. It was God's sentence to that wilderness generation that none of them, save Joshua and Caleb, would make it in. And some people say, oh, that's the Old Testament. That's the the God of wrath. That's why I don't read those books. Well, I've got news for you. (laughs) The same God that did that is the same God of the New Testament and the same God that you follow today. Now, he has satisfied his holiness and justice in the cross and the resurrection. But that same Christ was there with them in the wilderness. And that same Christ is to be treated as holy. These are history lessons. And what we should be asking is, what caused Israel to fall, God's chosen people? Why did they lose in the desert? And you may add something like this. Why are so many of my Christian friends losing? If I were to ask you to imagine five faces right now of people who you know have made a Christian profession, a profession of faith, 
someone you knew over your lifetime, someone that you know today at work. Some of you might say, okay, I can picture five faces right now of people who've made a Christian profession, and I can say they're walking with the Lord. Things are good. But how many of you could picture five faces right now, and you would say something like this, I have no idea where that person is even at with the Lord. Think about it for a second. Just raise up your hand. Can, how many of you would say the five faces you pictured are not doing well? Just raise up your hand. Okay, some of you. How many of you have said, the five faces I pictured well are really walking strong with the Lord? Raise up your hand. How many of you don't want to raise your hand no matter what I ask you? <laughs> okay, we're not going to do that at second service. Anyway, anyway that's <laughs> totally failed. Let's just move on. Now, maybe your response is, I'm just thinking so deeply, Pastor Michael. Now, these things happened as examples for us. They're preventative examples. That we should not crave evil things, destructive, wicked, injurious, bad, troublesome things as they also craved. The word crave means to set your heart upon something to long usually for what is forbidden. Five things chronicled here in the text about what they did and what we shouldn't do. They craved evil things. I'm going to try to give you a positive spin. Every time I give you a negative example, I'm going to tell you what I think the positive remedy is. They craved evil things. We're not to crave evil things as they also craved. Now, in Numbers 11, 33 and 34, I think scholars would say this is where the story lies. They, the children of Israel were whining about the manna, <clears throat> and they said, we want meat. They started some clubs, we want meat clubs. Where's the beef clubs? They were holding signs in the wilderness. And so, while the meat was still between their teeth, Numbers eleven thirty three, before it was chewed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very severe plague. So the name of that place was called Kibroth Hatava, which, that's Hebrew, which means graves of gluttony or graves of craving, Numbers 11.34, because they buried the people who had been greedy, or they buried the cravers. This was a, the name of an ancient cemetery. It was called the Craver's Graveyard, literally. And the people, we want the meat, we want the meat. And they got the meat, and while it was before they could even get toothpicks, shabam. You're listening to Walk in Truth. This was part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called The Way of Escape. Hey, are you looking for a new devotional to follow? Subscribe for free today and get the Walk in Truth devotional. Read a verse from the Bible, followed by a quick thought for the day related to it. You can get the devotional by email or by text. Visit walkintruth.com or text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, maybe sometimes you find yourself looking around and saying, How? Is that Christian friend of mine so strong in their difficult times? How is it that they take the way of escape when I fall on my face over and over and over again? What's their secret? 
How do you turn to God when times are tough instead of turning to idols or responding to those triggers in unhealthy ways? What makes you a strong Christian? Well, the answer is the Word of God. The answer is prayer. The answer is worship. The answer is being discipled. The answer is taking in the things of God so much that you're going to be more apt to turn to Him than to the idols. And this is the key. So I want to encourage you to get a copy of the book Suit Up that I've written on how to put on the armor of God and how to withstand temptation and grow in your faith and lean more into God in 2020. This is such an important book. I want to get it into your hands, so make sure you get a copy today. You'll hear more about the book on the program. Hey, do you work weekends and so you can't make it to a church service? Well, we have a Wednesday night service here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, and we're actually going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the majestic book of Job. Yes, it's true, Job. And what an incredible lesson and what deep truth we're seeing as Job foreshadows the coming Messiah, the ultimate innocent sufferer. It's been a great study, and we would love for you to come on out. We're getting into like the last 10 chapters of the book, so now is the time to come. The topic is Job. It's Wednesday night, 7 p.m. at Living Truth in the city of Corona. We do have stuff for the kids. We have a concurrent youth group. And the address is 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. You can download the free Living Truth app in your app store. Find out about midweek services, Sunday services, Bible studies, and the next 633 event, which will happen on a Sunday night on the 26th with Greg Kokel. So find out all you need to know when you check out the app today and uh, download it and make sure you are getting equipped for this new year. God bless you. We'll catch you next time on the program. Tune in tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called The Way of Escape. I'm Mike Massaro, and I'm going to make my escape. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.